Hi, and welcome to today's episode. So just quickly, before we get into today's show, I just want to remind you about our membership program called the Schema Circle. Now in the membership, Justin and I offer you some content all about schemas. When you become a member of the Schema Circle, you'll get immediate access to seven masterclasses, deep dives, where we really dissect a special interest topic, topics like boundaries, how to have better boundaries, topics like really how do you understand and manage difficult schema triggers. We've got a topic there all about shame and how to deal with shame. We've got a topic on trauma. We've got a topic on the inner critic and how to start to just understand and tame your inner critic. Uh, We also have a topic on how to deal with difficult parents, which is, I know, something that a lot of you relate to. So in the Schema Circle, if you join up, you'll get instant access to all that, quite a lot of content in there. And all those deep dives are also accompanied by Q&A sessions as well, hour-long Q&A sessions, which you also get immediate access to. Now, we've also started dropping into the schema circle. This is the really exciting part. We've also we've already started um, dropping in our Know Your Schemas course. Now, our Know Your Schemas course is a new course which we've designed for you, all about foundational understanding, everything you need to know about what schemas you have, how to identify them, and how to start to work on them and understand how they get triggered and how they're playing out in your life. Now, we've dropped the first module in, and over the next seven months, we'll be dropping seven more modules in. So the course is an eight-module course called Know Your Schemas, and for the first time, you get this as part of the membership. You get it as part of the Schema Circle. The link to get on the wait list, the link is theredflagproject.com forward slash schema hyphen circle. So it's theredflagproject.com forward slash schema hyphen circle. That link will be below in the show notes and go straight to the page to read all about the Schema Circle. All your questions will be answered there. Of course, if you have any other questions, just drop us a line on the email at justineandgemma at goodmood.com.au. We hope to see you in there. Thanks for joining us at the Good Mood Clinic podcast, where we get to the heart of the matter about what makes us humans tick. We're Justine Corrie and Gemma Gladstone, two clinical psychologists and schema therapists, and we're passionate about helping you break unwanted life patterns and finding new ways to understand yourself and those tricky people around you. Life is way too short to be derailed by our schemas, by self-sabotage, toxic relationships or a lack of self-worth. So let's tackle this together and help you reclaim your life and who you really are. In this bite-sized episode, Justine and I answer a question to do with the emotional deprivation schema. The question is all about how do we start to heal this schema 
once we've identified that we have it. Just to recap, the emotional deprivation schema has all to do with the expectation that our emotional needs, our need for connection, our need to be seen and understood will not be adequately met by other people. It won't be adequately fulfilled. There are three types of emotional deprivation which have been identified in the schema literature originally. It has to do with the deprivation of nurturance, the absence of affection or caring experienced in childhood, the deprivation of empathy, which has to do with the absence of being fully understood, listened to, and really attuned with deeply. And thirdly, the deprivation of protection, which has to do with the absence of having a strong, reliable person to look after you and guide you and protect you. So we hope you enjoy this episode where Justine and I discuss some of the things we can start to do to work on this schema if we have this schema. And just keep in mind, this schema is super common. Probably about 50% of the population have some degree of the emotional deprivation schema. So if this is one of yours, you're certainly not alone. Another question that came in through the email, and like we've heard this a lot, we've actually had a few inquiries to elaborate further on this schema. This person says, you know, can you please say something more about the emotional deprivation schema and how I begin to change it? Because I'm really struggling with that. Mm. Common schema and often a hidden schema, isn't it? Um, I can't tell you how many times that, you know, you first meet someone and it sort of hits you in the face. Um, well, you know, as you kind of talk to them about their situation, I think, wow, this person really hasn't had their emotional needs met and they're really not in touch with how they feel and they're in these relationships where their needs aren't met. Then mm. when you give them the schema questionnaire, it's really low. Mm-hmm. 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 Is that, can you relate to that, yeah. Jen? It's like yeah. they don't actually see it because with the emotional deprivation, it's something that you've never actually had those needs met. So it's like a blind spot. So you don't even know what's possible. So I suppose I'd say. Yeah, yeah. very much a blind spot. You know, people will often present and they'll say things like, no, it's fine. My childhood was, yes, you know, just no big deal. It was, it was all good. It was actually pretty happy, you know, and, and, or they, or they may not remember uh, much, uh, of their childhood or remember nothing under the age of say 10 or something but in their relationships and they're the way they interact with people they find it really really hard to ask for what they need they find it hard to express themselves emotionally and kind of be vulnerable um, they don't expect people to be there for them they don't expect to be interesting to others they might hover back in conversations and let the others you know, person speak. So they it feels very foreign for someone with a strong schema to feel comfortable around sharing, you know, too, because if I have this strong schema, I don't expect that if I if I tell you something's going on with me, I don't expect that you're going to reciprocate or you're going to hear me or even be interested sort of in what I'm saying. Or isn't that right, Justine? So you just you just have that low expectation. Yeah, and, and, but you may not even know you've got that low expectation. Yes. It's just you, Why? you are. It's like it's that that part of you 
has just been shut down from a very early age and you just operate without that knowledge of actually what a normal emotional need is actually so so that would be one of the first things to do isn't it mm-hmm. actually just know what normal emotional needs are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so for any human not you know just knowing like giving yourself that validating information so you can start entertaining actually what you've missed So core emotional needs, we've mentioned them in this podcast and many other podcasts. If you're interested in finding out more about what we mean when we talk about core emotional needs and the importance of having them met, then please go back and listen to podcast 77, where we explain all about it. Yes, and that that is the first point with changing this schema is both awareness and and know and thinking about oh yeah what's missing in my life and maybe this has got to do with this emotional deprivation schema maybe my disconnection feelings have got to do with that and then then just getting your head around and educating yourself about these things called yes these core human emotional needs that we all have and Mm -hmm. around the need to be seen, the need to be validated, the need to be understood, you know, and and all these sorts of emotional connection-based needs because this can feel very, very foreign. And then really part of it is also to think about educating yourself and, and just really be very mindful of the relationships that you've got in your life and ask yourself the question, is there any relationship, whether it's a friend, a work colleague, family member, where when I'm with them, I actually do feel a bit understood or I do feel comfortable or I feel like they're interested in me? What Mm. does that feel like, that attunement, versus what are some other relationships in my life where I just feel nothing. I, I feel like the person is distracted. They're not interested in me. They've never asked me a question ever. They don't really seem to be talking with me or curious about me. And so you, you try to think about your relationships and who in your world has the potential for, they, for you to invest more with and who, who doesn't. That can be very big. That's a very big issue. Mm-hmm. But just to start, Addressing the emotional deprivation scheme is many different levels, isn't it? It's kind of, it's all it's all around getting in touch with that part of you also that didn't get those needs met, like the vulnerable child part, and just, you know, working with a therapist really because you've got a big emotional deprivation scheme and you do need extra external help really from a therapist who can help you get those needs met and facilitate that teach you about reparenting so that you can get in contact with a part of you didn't get those needs met. And so so that level of change is all about the emotional level and the reparenting stuff and and then there's also the relational stuff. So what you can do outside, what you can, how you can look at your relationships and how you can experiment with when you're interacting with people what does it feel like when someone's actually attuned to you versus not attuned to you? And if you have, if that's hard, then you can use outside sources like, do you know a relationship where two people are attuned? What does that look like? So it's starting to re-educate yourself around, educate yourself around the feeling of what it might be like to get 
those needs met and the recognition that you have them and that they're all right and that they're normal. So there's a lot of different levels at which we will begin to address this schema. Yeah, and I was, yeah, um, so in terms of getting therapy, actually the relationship that you have with your therapist is an important part of healing, isn't it? That emotional deprivation schema, because for some people that relationship may be the first time they ever feel attunement or actually feel someone's interest and empathy for them. Yes. You have to kind of feel that in order to kind of recognize it then out in your other relationships in the real world, because it's a blind spot. You kind of have to have it woken up in a way. Yeah, it's a blind, it is a blind spot to have it up, but good analogy, Justine, to have that woken up. But on that journey of having that woken up, it is inevitable that you will feel some grief around not having those needs met. You know, there will be feel there will be feelings of sadness and grief that come up because you you become aware of, oh wow, that you mean I I deserve to have that met. I deserve to have a kind validating other who was interested in me and I didn't have that. Well that's there's grief there, which is normal, you know, and you won't always feel that. But the healing, you know, journey does does require that we do feel like that. We do we do allow those feelings to come up, and that's where you know the the the, the reparenting of yourself and with the therapist is very helpful. With these with these schemas, you don't know how to handle praise. Yeah, yeah, because it feels it might feel very foreign to have someone actually focus on you enough to think about how to praise you or to give you a positive comment. So that can feel very foreign. Yeah. And uh, the schema, obviously schemas co-occur. So the schema will often co-occur with a defectiveness schema. So um, that can also just cause praise to ping off you because it's inconsistent with your self-concept. You know, so I think defectiveness schema is I'm worthless. Emotional deprivation schema is I'm not worthy of my needs being met. Mm. Mm. It can just you go. Oh, that doesn't feel good. Not no, that's right. Yeah, our schemas yeah. fight for survival. Mm. Um, if you're not careful, they prevent information that's contrary to the schema from actually being recognised and incorporated into mm. how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the nature of schemas, isn't it? Yeah. Because they develop in childhood when we we do have a very very you know black and white brain, right? It's either true or it's not. I'm either good or I'm bad. I'm either worthy or not worthy, you know, and there's no grey. There's no. So when we learn these schemas, they're very black and white. And so when they get stuck like that, then we go through life, like Justine said, looking for evidence that confirms our schema. We're very good at looking at evidence that confirms the schema, but we're not so good in taking in, allowing contrary information to come in, like and then sometimes we might misattribute that to something else, like why is this person interested in me or wants to know about me? You know, do they have other you know agendas? Like why are they interested? You know, interest in me rather than just thinking, oh yeah, that's someone who might want to be my friend. You know, because I'm a worthy person to get to know that kind of thing. Mm. You don't always believe what other people say, which is what you've mentioned there, Justine. That's right. Just yeah. pings off. Okay, you're right. And you move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what the, that's the yeah. reinforcing nature of schemas. And that is why schema change feels a bit 
uncomfortable and foreign because we're not we're not used to that contrary information so we have to be very open-minded when we're thinking about changing our schemas and that's we have to be very open-minded and willing to actually take a bit of a risk of a risk of, of feeling different things being a bit uncomfortable but ultimately it's going to be for the best yeah I was just I was just thinking about how this often shows up when you're working with someone and you guys might be able to relate to this like so let's just say you're you know talking about a particular trigger or something that's stressful in your life and someone says to you oh wow that's awful you know um that that must that must feel really difficult for you right so they're showing you empathy so whether this is a therapist or a friend or whatever if you've got an emotional deprivation schema you might go yeah anyway it's fine yeah. like mm. so you just you and the other person then experiences that as a bit of a micro rejection because mm. they just offered something up and because you're uncomfortable and not familiar with receiving that achievement or empathy you're prioritizing get, getting rid of that discomfort by moving on rather than feeling how good that could feel so obviously when I'm working with someone I'll pull them up on that and say hang on I'll just stop you right there what did that feel like and I might repeat it again and then I'll say let let that just sink in let let yourself just feel that I get where you're at and I care about you and I can see that you're sad which can be very confronting and, and sometimes even very um very vulnerable Oh, yeah. makes me feel a bit emotional when you say that. Just yeah, yeah, because it can be, you know, really hard to let that let that in, and you see that a lot, don't you? Like I can oh. think of a couple of people <clears throat> recently, not just you know clients, where you might say something and they go, "Oh yeah, whatever," you know, or "Oh well," and they change the topic or they don't let it in. Mm. Yeah, or even uh, I mean, just going to the defectiveness schema. If I give a client a compliment or some encouragement that's positive and they dismiss it, I'll kind of do the same thing. Hang on, let's stop there. Let's let's just let that sink in for a minute. Just feel the fact that you can feel proud of yourself for doing X, Y, Z. So I suppose even for those of you who aren't in therapy, you could actually start doing that for yourself when you, if you start having the awareness and noticing when people are trying to connect with you, you could start going, hang on, I see that as an opportunity. I'm just going to pause and just let that sink in. What does that feel like? Mm. And you'll, you'll actually feel quite amazed actually where the conversation can then go because the thing is once you, um, if you've got an emotional deprivation schema and you aren't comfortable with feeling that attunement and you reject it, the other person feels rejected. So they, they, they're then going to be less likely to then try and show you empathy or understanding again. So it kind of puts the relationship on a different trajectory. Whereas if you accept it and reciprocate, oh, yeah, actually, thanks, yeah, I do feel really sad about that, then giving a positive message to the other person that felt really good, and that can take the relationship in a different direction. And it can lead to, you know, it can lead to a deepening of a relationship, a, a shared vulnerability and a shared like that because that, that's an intimate conversation yeah that's how you deepen re- relationships and so there's a lot of you know often um a lot of men have had you know come, come to therapy mm. they've got this you know big schema and they've they're sort of sick of it because they've had a lot of their partners you know female or male partners 
sort of complaining about them saying, oh, God, you just go into your cave, you're a closed book, you know, I can't connect with you, you don't open up. You know. Nice tower. Hey? So, you're a nice tower. Like. Yeah, nice tower, yeah. And, 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 and that's the emotional deprivation, you know, schema that we're seeing up front. They don't deep, they don't have these deeper, they don't allow themselves an opportunity for deeper relationships because it's just too sort of too scary. So, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, they become quite avoidant of that because that does not feel good, doesn't or feels weird to have someone, to sit with someone and to be emotionally open and potentially vulnerable. But this is how intimacy and depth to relationships grow, platonically, romantically, doesn't matter what kind. Yeah. And so I suppose if you think about that, healing and emotional deprivation schema is really in the minutiae, isn't it, of the to and fro interactions between you and the other person. So it's, and you know, a lot is going on internally for you to make that decision to not reject that person's empathy or to create empathy with someone else by showing them empathy. You know, you have to know your needs, you have to know your triggers, you have to have your healthy adult mode, kind of want that for yourself, want that deeper connection. So it's a bit of a journey, isn't it? Mm, yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, but, yeah. Experimenting. That's right. But I think what I see happen a lot with schema change is that, you know, you kind of, you can struggle along a bit and you can feel frustrated that things aren't changing, but then all of a sudden you'll have some situation where actually it really works and then that gives you momentum to keep going in that direction so change change is slow then quick I always say to clients so I suppose even if you're you're experimenting maybe with what we're saying and you're finding that you're hitting dead ends or you're not getting any more comfortable um, receiving that empathy or achievement from people just persist because at some point you'll have an experience that kind of propels you into the next bit of momentum in your scheme of healing. But, yeah, no, that's really a good point, yeah, because it's very up and down. It's very experimental. You know, we go all over the place when we're trying to change things. Yeah, yeah, forwards, backwards, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you persist, it, it'll happen. Because, it, like, the, the thing I love about the schema is, oh, healing the schema is it gets a life of its own because it feels really good, doesn't mm. it? Because intrinsically we all want to feel you know, close to people and feel understood. And so once you start having that feeling, you're actually going to really like it mm. and it'll just become easier and easier. And that's that's right. And I think, I think ultimately, that's why I said about different levels, you know, it is so important also to work on your relationship with yourself mm. and know that you've got these different parts of yourself. And so you know that if I'm the person that Justine's up and said something nice to me, and I've said, "Oh, oh, yeah, but whatever, doesn't matter, whatever." Like that, that 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 the understanding in you that that is a coping mechanism, that is a coping behavior, or possibly even a coping mode that you have developed as a result of not wanting to feel the pain of of that schema, and that's why we develop these kinds of coping behaviors. But these coping behaviors are often not. They're not help. They get us through surviving something, but then as a longevity strategy, they are very poor. So um, because, like we said, they no one wants people will stop asking you and people will stop wanting to connect if you continue to use that kind of coping strategy or they'll see you as someone who's not emotional or not interested or that they can't talk to or whatever. So unfortunately, there can be these self-fulfilling prophecies around 
around schemas, you know, and they're fueled by the way we have learned to cope with them. Mm. So if that is really difficult for yourself also, you know, you need help with instruction around how do you start internally meeting some needs and, you know, some of the reparenting stuff and and how do you shift the internal relationship with yourself and your vulnerable part, the part that didn't get those needs met. So level of change on this schema, as most schemas, it's twofold. It's the internal experience. We need to be starting to give our, meet some of those emotional needs and connect and realize we've got a healthy part that wants to meet the need. And then we've got a vulnerable part that really needs this recognition of this need and needs that healing. And um, we all have that, those parts. We're not just one big coping mode. Oh, don't worry, you know, onto the next thing. That's just a coping mode. It's a coping behavior. So it's good to recognize that when you do that, that's a coping behavior. And that's what keeps us stuck. It's the way we cope with our wounds that gets us into trouble mm-hmm. down the down the path. Yeah. So that's good. So it's good to really think about these questions at um Justine and Gemma at goodmood.com.au. Great. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it with others. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notifications when new shows are released. You can visit us at goodmood.com.au forward slash podcast for more information you know this podcast is intended for learning and entertainment purposes and we really hope it achieves that but because it's not a substitute for personal therapy we'd like you to consult a qualified mental health professional for tailored support bye for now